Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 2. It's always a privilege and a great responsibility to be up here preaching the, the Word. And uh, hopefully tonight the message will be a blessing to you, will be a challenge to you. Recently I was preaching and I stated in my message that it was not a difficult message. It was a simple message. Right? Not, not hard to understand is what I thought I meant. Um, anyway, finished preaching, was shaking everybody's hand in the back after the message, and, some, and a uh, man came up and shook my hand. He said, Brother Nate, you were right. That was a very simple message. And he walked out. So tonight it's a very complicated message. Amen. <laughs> a lot of time, a lot of thought went into this. But Matthew chapter 2, we're going to read from verse 1 through verse 11. This is, uh, I would deem it a Christmas-ish message. Amen. We're in that time, that time of year. Amen. So hopefully... This will be a blessing, but also be a challenge to us tonight. We'll start in verse number 1 of Matthew chapter 2. Read all the way to verse number 11. The Bible says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense, frankincense and myrrh. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you so much for allowing us to be in your house tonight. Father, I thank you for each person that gave of their time to be here tonight. Lord, and I pray that you would please um, have your will and way in each heart here tonight. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us through your word tonight. Lord, I pray that you would guard my mouth and guard my thoughts, Father, that I might say exactly what you've laid on my heart to say. Lord, that we might uh, leave here changed tonight, that we might not leave here the same as we came in. Lord, that we might um, not just hear your word, but put it in practice in our lives, and that we might be better Christians for you, uh, Lord, that we might learn from your word. I pray also, Lord, uh, I believe the most important thing, if somebody's here tonight and they have not accepted you as their Savior, I pray that you would save that person tonight. I pray that you would show them their need of salvation, and they would not leave here tonight without knowing for sure that they're going to heaven. Father, we thank you so much. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. I don't think anybody in here, this is the first time you've read this passage. Amen. Everybody's read it before. I love the story of Christmas. And here is the ending of the story of Christmas, I guess you could say. Um, But I love Christmas time. Christmas time has always been very special to me. Uh, Many of y'all know, and I'm going to have to quit saying um, but here comes the nerves. That's why. I grew up in Brazil. This time of year in Brazil, it is not cold, it is not snowy, it is hot. Right now, today, I, I saw that in Ribeirão Preto, where we lived before we came up, it is 95 degrees, or was, earlier today. So very, very hot. So Christmas time was always special for me because we would set up the tree, right, and then we'd set up this Christmas village, 
and the Christmas village had snow, cotton. And we would always watch that and think, man, it must be real nice to be back in the States where it's cold and snowy and while we, we sweat during Christmas. But one of the things I used to love about Christmas was that it's a Nichols tradition that on Christmas Eve, we would all open a single present and we would uh, read the Christmas story, Christmas Eve. And then on Christmas Day, whoever woke up first got to go around and wake everybody else up and we would start Christmas Day. Right? Well, my parents had never stipulated, I don't believe, a time that we could get up. And so one Christmas, I remember my parents gave me uh, the, the, the present I picked Christmas Eve was not one you really want to give to a young boy. It was a watch with an alarm clock on it. <laughs> and so I put that watch on and I said, I think I said it for like 3 a.m. I mean, it was the next day. And so when that went off, I waited around waking everybody up. And then I found out we had a rule that you had to wait till I think, 6 o'clock. So. But my point is, I love Christmas time. It's a great time of year where we spend time with family. This, it's interesting. I was looking up stats. It's, a, it's also a time of year where we spend a lot of money on presents. Y'all do that too? Okay. They say today, and I don't, I don't know if this is true or not, but they, they are estimating that this year the average American will spend $932 on Christmas presents. Every American will spend that much money on Christmas presents this year. And that means... That between 940 to 960 billion dollars will be spent this year on Christmas presents. Can y'all imagine that? That's a lot of money. I'll take a 932 dollar Christmas present. <laughs> That's a, and that didn't even just just that is a lot. And then they say that uh, Americans will spend between nine or five and six billion dollars on Christmas trees this year alone. And this year, with the presents given, they estimate that about 15.1 billion dollars will be unwanted gifts. Can I ask you something? How have we become so, uh, I don't know, I don't even know the word for this, but how in the world do you get a present that you don't want? Unless it's something really bad. But $15 billion worth of presents that people don't want. That's estimated, okay? That's, so if we're looking at Christmas, Christmas is about this story, amen, that we just read. And as I was praying and asking God what to preach this, this week, um, he laid on my heart this passage as I was reading. And I started thinking about Christmas season is about one thing and one thing only. It's about Christ. Side benefits are presence. It is family as well. Amen. We get time to spend with family. But the main focus is the God who gives us money to buy presents. It's the God who created the family. It's about Christ. And I was thinking, unfortunately, Nathan Nichols is, is blame, I'm blamable of this. We lose focus of what Christmas this season truly is about. And I am absolutely loving all the Christmas songs that we've been singing. Side note, Rabbit Trail. Because they speak about exactly that, how great God is. Amen? About how powerful He is. And I think too many times we sing the songs and we don't even realize what we're singing. But if you pay attention to it, there's so much good in them, And I'm loving singing those songs, but because Christmas is about exactly this. Uh, so Matthew chapter 2, we get to the latter part of the Christmas story. And I know many times people put everybody together. And I know Madison Baptist Church, y'all are tired of knowing this part. He wasn't in the manger still, okay, when the wise men got there. We know that. But to me, it is interesting to think of these wise men. And there weren't just three, I don't believe. There were probably many more. Y'all know that as well. I won't go over that more than that. But they are seeking 
the Lord Jesus. They've seen a star. They've read God's word. They believe that the Messiah was born. They want to see him. And so here we have the account, the account of them looking for Jesus. They get to Herod. Herod doesn't know anything about it. Then they find out that he was in Bethlehem. Herod obviously lies to them and says, well, go find him and I want to go worship him. And so he sends them on to Bethlehem. And we see that when they got to Bethlehem, um, look at verse 10 and 11 real quick once again. Verse 10 says, And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child, which is Jesus, with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now I was thinking while preparing this message, wouldn't it be great if this Christmas season, we here at Madison Baptist Church thought of giving gifts back to Jesus? Instead of spending, nine, well, you could still spend $932. If you want to, but make the main focus of this Christmas be Christ again. Here we have a great story of of men that were looking, wise men that were looking for Jesus. And so the title of this message message would be a gift fit for a king. As I was thinking about that, I was thinking of ourselves. What could we possibly give Jesus? One, because the Bible tells us that we are not good. There's not one that is good. Correct? Correct. The best we can do are as filthy rags. That's what the Bible tells us. But you know, there are a lot of things that if we gave it to God, it would be a gift to God. The Bible tells us of that. The first thing is a very obvious gift we can give to the Lord, but it's, I believe, the most precious gift you could ever give to God. And I believe this is very obvious, but your soul is the most precious gift you could ever give to God. And it is the most important point of the message tonight. Your soul. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. The Bible says, sixteen twenty six, uh, for what is for what is a man profited if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his own soul? Here we see that a man's soul is more valuable than anything you can get here on earth. It's valuable enough that God sent His only begotten Son. Amen. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave. His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We know that verse. We've memorized that verse. And I think we don't stop to think of the implications of that. I understand it a little better now, and I'm sure a lot of you have as well. But it always astounds me to think of that, that God gave His only Son to die for a person like me. God's given me four kids. You want the honest truth tonight? I wouldn't give any of my kids to die for you. And the reason is, I don't love you enough. And so when I think about God's love for me, enough to give His only Son to die on a cross for me, and we remember His birth at Christmas. And maybe you're here today and you say, well, the 25th wasn't Christmas. We could get into all that. But the truth is, we should remember a day when Christ was born. And we should celebrate that day because we should not forget the sacrifice that God gave for us. Amen. So your soul today is one of the most precious gifts that you could give back to Christ is your soul. And I know Brother Jeff presented this morning, and that is 100% true. We are all sinners. Romans 3.23 says, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We know how sin entered into the world and entered in through Adam and Eve, and it's passed upon all men. And that is the horrible story of sin. 
Because every person born since then has been a sinner. I've been able to see that happen in my little kids. You say, Brother Nate, your kids are sinners? They certainly are. And soon it will demonstrate in Michael. You all understand what I'm saying? I've never had to teach uh, Gabriel and Andrew how to lie or how to be mean. Maybe I have taught them how to be mean. I hope not. But they learn that stuff on their own. And the reason is they have a sin nature. And we can see that. We can see that in all the world. And unfortunately, the world today, they want to say that you're not that bad. Right? Anybody ever heard that? Oh, I'm not really that bad. You are. In God's eyes, we truly are that bad. We truly are deserving of the horrible place called hell. But praise the Lord, the Bible doesn't end there. Amen? That's, that's part of Christmas is the good news of salvation. Amen? It's the beginning part of when God sent his son who was going to end up being the payment for my sin. Romans 6.23. I'm going to turn there because I end up quoting these things wrong. And I shouldn't, but uh, I end up quoting in Portuguese sometimes too. And that's, that's, that's not good either. Romans 6.23, the Bible says, For the wages of sin is death. That is our just and due payment for our sin. We deserve death. And death with sin means that we're separated from God. And there's only one other place that we can go separated from God, and that is a place called hell. This is the most important point of the whole message tonight because the Bible tells us also that we don't know how long we have. Brother Jeff said that this morning. We, we don't know when our last day will be. I'm, I'm 34 years old. I hope that I'll be you know, living until my 70s, 80s, 90s, but truly today could be my last day. So that is why it's so important that I know that today I am on my way to heaven. Today, if I close my eyes in death here on earth, I would open my eyes in glory. So tonight, that's the most important thing you could ever give to God is your life. The Bible says, Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? The song, how wonderful that Christ first died for us, but not only did he die, but three days later he arose for us. Amen? And if that does not give you chills, well, maybe it doesn't need to give you chills, but it should, should ignite a fire in you just to think of what God did for you. Amen? Um, Romans 5.8, we see again that, um, that Christ, while we were yet sinners, Romans 5.8, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Knowing that how sinful we were, Christ still died for us. And tonight, if you would like to be saved, if you would like to give your soul, your life as a gift fit for a king, then you should accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Tonight, amen? It is very simple. It's very easy. It's so simple that children can do it. And I'm living proof of that. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior when I was five years old. We were actually still in the old building on Hughes Road. Everybody remember that? Not only that, but we were living in the house beside the, uh, beside the church building. And I think it was also one of the best Christmases that I remember because I think a bunch of church people donated a bunch of presents for us. And I think it was one of the largest Christmases we've ever had. It was a great year. And on top of that, it was a great year because... That year is when I finally understood, because I had made many professions of faith. My mom and dad, y'all know them. I think mom was probably telling us that we need to be saved when we were still in the womb. So that we would know, you know, as we were born, what to do. And uh, so I knew what, it, what I needed to do to be saved. And I made several professions of faith. I was that kid in Sunday school that every Sunday raised his hand. Well, we have some. And uh, I'm glad my teachers kept telling me how to be saved every Sunday. And I remember once dad had his open heart surgery and he finally got home. I believe it was, I believe, now I could be wrong, I believe it was the day dad got home actually. 
I went up and I said, Dad, I need to, I need to be saved. And I praise the Lord. Dad didn't say, Nate, listen, you made a profession of faith here and here and here and here. You're saved. No, he just took it as if it was the first time I'd ever asked him to tell me about it. We went into the room. I believe it was the, the, the suite on the back left of the house. We went back in there, and Dad told me again that I was a sinner. I knew that. I certainly knew that I was a sinner. I deserved a place called hell. And that Christ had died for me, and he took my punishment, and he was my, uh, my sacrifice on the cross. And what I needed to do was accept and put my faith completely and totally in Jesus Christ. And that, faith, that day, it finally dawned on me that that's what I was lacking, was to realize that I truly could not get to heaven, that I could not be good enough, and that I need to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. And that day, I got saved. So at five years old, the Lord saved my soul. And now we're here a few years down the road, and I'm still saved. Amen? Amen. And so a gift fit for a king, the first one would be your soul or your life would be the best gift that you could give to Christ this Christmas season, actually today. Amen? The second thing I would like to bring up is your time. Your time is something that Christ would love to have some of. And you say, Brother Nate, why? Well, if you haven't noticed, today we spend a lot of time on us. Y'all, anybody agree with that? Or you can just nod your head. So you, I know you're listening and understanding. But if you pick up a phone, if I picked up your phone, and if you have an, an Apple phone, I could go in there and look at how much time you spent on your phone, right? Anybody ever do that? It's scary. You might not want to do that unless you want to change. But you can go in there and you can see where you spent your time. And just, just on your phone, we spend a lot of time every day on our phone, don't we? I'm, I'm one of the first to say I do, unfortunately. We, spend, we waste a lot of our time. But it's interesting in this story, we see that the wise men gave of their time. They gave up everything they were doing to find somebody that they could have been wrong about. You understand that? They could have been wrong about the time. They could have been wrong that Christ hadn't yet been born, but they gave up their time. They saw the star in the east, and they followed it, and they found Jesus. And here, I love it that they, they had great rejoicing, and then they gave him their gifts. The wise men did that, and we should do the same. We should spend time with Christ. Amen? Um, I, was running, I was reading some on the Internet, and I could be wrong, but I'll just throw this out there. This is what I found uh, on the Internet about Christians and um, about reading their Bibles. They say that only about 10% of Americans say they read their Bibles every day. And about, they said 80%, I believe, read 15 minutes or less every day of this 10%. So of the cream of the crop, the 10%, only 80%, 80% or more, so 20% read more than, than 15 minutes a day, and 80% read less than 15 minutes a day. When you stop and look at where we spend our time, we should spend a lot more time with God. Amen. The creator of the universe, our Savior, and tis the season of when we remember that Christ was born. Amen. And we still don't spend time with God. They said, um, also, I don't know if this statistic is correct, but in uh, 2021, I read this, that they had made uh, a survey and the survey said that um, of all the Christians that they surveyed, about um, the Christians they surveyed, they, re- they pray for five minutes or less every day. And pastors prayed on average 15 minutes a day of the pastors they interviewed. Now, this could all be incorrect, but it does prove a major point. That if you look at Christendom, just here in the United States, which is a country that has been built on 
Christian principles. Where a country where you can choose whatever church you want to go to. You all understand how rare that is? To go to any country in the world and you can literally choose any independent Baptist church. There's probably several in a three-mile radius. That is not normal for every country in the world. And in this country where God should abound, we don't spend any time with Him. Interesting. Look with me real quick at Luke, Luke chapter 6. Christ should be our example in everything. Correct? Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. Again, this is a well-known verse. Everybody, everybody knows this verse. But Luke chapter 6 and verse 12, the Bible says, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued, in, and continued all night in prayer to God. Here we're talking about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, felt the need to go out and spend time in prayer with God. And he not only spent some time in prayer with God, but he spent all night in prayer with God. I would be the first to admit that I do not spend enough time in prayer with God. And yet prayer is one of our strongest weapons that we have against the devil, against sin. It's one of our strongest weapons we have to hear, for God to hear and answer our prayers. Amen? And yet we do not do it. And in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, again, a well-known verse, but very applicable here. Mark 1.35, the Bible says, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he, Jesus, went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. I think one thing that um, we learned this term as we were in Brazil is that the, the power in prayer, the power in prayer. And the reason I say that is this. You would expect, I'm Brazil born, I'm a Brazilian, uh, by the time we went back to Brazil, my Portuguese was horrid. It was very rusty, but that got better. Uh, and so you could look at me and say, well, Brother Nate's going to get to Brazil, and he's going to have an edge. He's going to be able to win people, talk to people, and just do a great work. But what I found, which is very obvious if you stop to think about it, that Nathan Nichols can't do anything in Brazil under my own power. I can be the most charismatic person in the world and get there and do absolutely nothing for Jesus Christ. And what it all comes back to is I need God's power in my life. And how do we get God's power in our life? By spending time with God in various different ways. And definitely by spending time in prayer with God. We, we saw God move and work in many different ways. And we saw God answer many different prayers. And it just really created in us uh, the understanding that prayer is very, very, very important in our life. And you know what Nathan Nichols and Kate Nichols still don't do enough of? Spend time in prayer. If you're talking about relationships, try building a relationship with somebody and not spend any time with them. Does that going to ever work? But that's exactly what we would like to think. We love God. Amen. Everybody would say we love God. But if we don't spend time with God, we are not building a relationship with God. That is the truth. But we would like to say we are. We're growing. We're learning. But we're not. We're not spending time with God. We're not listening to what God has to say to us through His Word, through time in prayer. And so today, tonight... Or during this season, one of the great things that you could give to God, a gift fit for a king, our king, would be your time. You could give your time back to Jesus Christ. Not that really it is your time. It is his time. Amen. But we could spend time with God. The third thing. So first, you could give your soul, your time. The third thing, your adoration. Your adoration. Adoration would be deep love and respect or worship. Deep love and respect. You know, you're not going to spend time with God if we don't love him as we should. 
if we don't respect Christ as we should, if we don't spend time worshiping Him as we should. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I feel like I'm putting everybody to sleep, but hang with me. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5. The Bible says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Who did Christ say this to? Specifically right here. Who was he saying it to? Israel. Israel. Now let me ask you a question. When Israel obeyed this verse, did they prosper? Did they grow? Did they flourish? Yes. When they stopped obeying this verse, what happened? Things went major downhill. Right? They went into captivity. They had everything taken from them. There were years that way until they learned to do exactly what this verse said again, that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and all thy soul and all thy might. And it goes on to say many other things. Amen? That we should have God's word in our life and we should teach it to our kids. This is the truth of God's word. We look at our country, we look at our world, and we see it going downhill. And we never stop to consider that maybe it is our fault. And I'll be the first to say that I really think God could turn this country around if we turned around the way we serve God and the way we worship God and the way we obey God. But it comes with God needs our adoration. If we do not love God, if we do not respect God, if we do not take time to worship God, because that's when we finally realize who God really and truly is. When we take time to worship God. If you went to heaven right now, what do you think they're doing there? Right now. What do the angels in heaven sing constantly? Holy, holy, holy. Amen? We are redeemed. and We are not only created by God, but we are bought by God. Again, by Jesus Christ. And when was the last time we took time to spend time worshiping God? Spend time in love and respect and adoration to God. So today, the third thing we could give back to God would be our adoration. And given our adoration to God, He could have another gift would be the preeminence in our life. He would be first of importance and in honor and in exaltation in our life. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15. Go with me to Colossians chapter 1. We'll read from verse 15 to verse 18. The Bible says, Who is in the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And in all things, he might have the preeminence. Christ wants to have the number one place in your life. And I know at Madison Baptist Church, we know that. It's not, this is not a new point, but it is a point that I think that few of us truly obey. We truly do not obey this point. Christ is not number one in our life. Because many times I believe we become distracted with things and the world and life, it is amazing all that we have to do nowadays. Y'all agree? I feel like used to we had less to do, but it could just be because I was a kid and I grew up on a farm and life was different back then. But I feel like today we are so busy with things. I feel like there has never been a day that kids have had more things to do than kids have today. They have, I'm not even going to be able to tell you all of that, but they have Little League, they have this, they have that. And one thing, Gabe, when we first got back to the States, so Gabe is six, 
He was in um, Little League Soccer. And um, his grandpa, Brother Beckham, was, was coaching. And so we put him in that. It, did, it played on Saturday, so it wasn't going to mess up church because I mean, we are going to be in church at church time. And so we went to Little League, and so we had all this stuff to do. We had the practices to go to. And then in Little League, this is what Little League's teaching our kids, they couldn't actually count the goals that were scored. Anybody suffer that malady today? And so when the game was over, nobody won. So I asked, why are we playing anything? If you're not going to win and you're not going to lose, then why are you out here competing? So every time Gabe lost, I said, you lost. Amen. Every time he won, I said, you won. You did a good job. Well, if you lost, you did a good job too. That's fine. But the important thing is that he needed to be learning how to lose and how to win. And I, I, I divert from the point. But the thing, we're even teaching our kids that God isn't most important in our life. That truly things and activities and TV. Try to take a, a note of how much you watch TV every day. And then base that on the fact of how much you spend time with God. And then realize for us young parents that your kids are watching everything you do. Man, that hits me all the time. I'm trying to raise my kids to love God and serve God. Right? And so recently, the boys are fighting. And they're arguing between each other. And Kate's trying to get their attention. And nothing's happening. And so I come in, big bad dad, you know, boys, hey, talking to you, quiet. I won. Yeah, what I should have done is said, boys, separate them and go have a nice talk in the bedroom with the correction stick. Amen. That's what I should have done. But no, I went out there and I handled the situation. And then yesterday I see that my boys are now handling the situation exactly the same way that dad did. Um, Gabe's not listening to Andrew, so he goes, Gabriel, you're not listening. I'm going to spank you. (laughs) And I thought, wow, there's a great example of how my kids are watching my life and they're learning from what I do by just watching what I'm doing. And now that speaks louder to them than me sitting down and say, boys, we don't lose our, our temper. We're not supposed to get angry. That doesn't matter at all if I'm doing it. And so Christ needs to have preeminence in our life. He needs to be number one, amen, in our life. And that is a gift that we can give to Christ during this holiday season. A gift fit for a king would be the preeminence, first place, and importance, and honor, and exaltation in our life, and especially in our families. If there's one thing that I have noticed as we travel, well, various things, but one thing that lacks in so many churches that we visit are good, godly Christian families. And that's very sad to see. But you know, God of the Bible is still true today, and we can still raise godly families for the Lord. But we have to get all the fluff and all the extra and everything out of our life so that we can focus on God and we can raise those kids. God's given me four kids, which I love, but I want to see all four kids serve the Lord. And that responsibility is on me for right now. In the end, they'll choose. But right now, I have to be the one teaching them. I have to be showing them that God's number one and He's the most important thing in our life. And that we're going to serve the Lord. So the preeminence in our life. The, sec- the, the fifth thing would be obedience. Again, a point that we all know about obedience. We can give the gift of obedience to God. Uh, it's interesting. We know to do, and Brother Jeff hit on this, we know how to do right. But many times we don't do it. Right? It's amazing to me to see. Um, and I, we all do it. We all have it in our life. But the double standards that we have, unfortunately. We know what we should do. 
and, and then we don't. And I understand this. I know that sometimes stuff sneaks back into our life. And I would say one of the biggest things for me um, with my young family is watching what we see on the TV, right? Because we watch, unfortunately, so much of it that you start getting callous to some things that are happening. I, I don't know if anybody else is like that. I start letting the kids watch some cartoons that maybe aren't the best. There's something, something here or something there, and I just don't care about it. And then all of a sudden, I wouldn't say that I'm letting my kids go out into the world, but the truth is I'm bringing the world right back into my house. And I'm not obeying Christ. I'm not setting the standards in my house that I should be. And that's one thing we have to keep checking up. And I could give several different examples, but we could give the gift of obedience to Christ what a, what a beautiful thing if Madison Baptist Church, all of us, chose to obey God. You know, that sounds so simple, but it's so difficult because we all have our own little things. Here's a good illustration to me, for me, of what I do in my life. I say, God, here's my life, this platform up here. Here's my life. You can have that. You can have that. You can have that, that, that. But this little corner here, this is the me corner. This is mine. You can't touch this. This is my little pet peeve. This is my little... You know, my, my hobby, or this is mine. I know it's not exactly right, but it's not really that bad. Maybe you do something like that. And you know, while Nathan Nichols does that, God doesn't have 100% of my life. Or maybe you do this, and I do this. You ever played hide-and-seek with a little child? And you say, hey, go hide. And so they run over to a corner, and they crouch down, and they do this. You seen that? And they're hidden. They can't see you. You can't see them. That's the logic. And you think, well, as adults, we know that doesn't work. And it's, it's, you know, childish. But as adults, we do the same thing with God. Because we have our sins, we have the things we know are wrong, and we're standing there in the corner, we're going, God, you can't see it. But God does see it. And it does keep us from being used by the Lord. And it does then hurt the body of Christ because we're not being used of the Lord as we should be. We could have several points under obedience. But in general... Obedience could be a gift fit for a king that we could give to God. And the last thing tonight, I think one of the, uh, the, maybe the second most important point, and it was hit on this morning as well, that we could bring others to Christ. That would be one of the best gifts as well that we could give to God during this season, during next year. I like statistics. So statistics tell us that about 1.8 people die per second every day. That's a lot of people. Almost two people per second. Just to give you an idea, today, if that happened today, worldwide, 150, about 155,000 people passed on into eternity. Madison, the city of Madison right now, they say, is estimated population about 58,555 people. So that means today, just about three cities of Madison have gone off into eternity. Really stop and think about that. Three whole cities the size of Madison gone because it was their time to go. My question to me and then to you, when did we stop and even worry about one of those people going on in eternity today? This world is, is a sick world, and I mean this in this way. There is sin in the world. It is kind of like a sickness that will eventually kill all, as Brother Jeff said this morning. We all have our day to die. But this world needs Christ more than anything. Amen? They need Christ. The Christ of Christmas, they need to know who that is. But you know what? The truth is this. Nathan Nichols is not 
not very devout and dedicated in doing my job. I give this example when I preach sometimes because it just it's seared into my mind. I have had, I guess in a way, the privilege of meeting several devout Catholics, and maybe you have too, in my life. Because in Brazil, Brazil's still about 75% Catholic. A lot of Catholics. They're very nice people, but they're very devout. Those that are devout are very devout. They make several pilgrimages during the year to different places to get, get a little more goodwill with God. Because a lot of them believe that when they get to heaven, there's going to be this balance in heaven. This, uh, is, it, is it called a balance? And then you're going to put all your bad on one side and all your good on the other, right? You've all heard this. And they're praying that their good outweighs their bad. That's not how heaven works. But I've also been to a city. We grew up in the city called Formiga. And I've been to the city of Piuí. And you have, uh, a, it's, Piuí is a, an ugly city, truly. Uh, don't really enjoy it. But one of the, the interesting parts of Piuí is that they have a, a pretty decent little, a small mountain. And at the top, they have a little Catholic chapel at the top. And they have concrete steps that go all the way to the top. And if you go there, you can see the devout people paying penance, crawling up each one of those steps, a lot of them. And they're truly trying to get closer to getting to heaven. They're devout. They're trying. They're doing their best as they've been told by the man of God what they have to do to get to heaven. We have the truth. We know that that's not getting them one inch closer to heaven. We know that all they have to do is look and live. They have to just turn their eyes to Jesus Christ and nothing else. And yet, we are not nearly as devout in telling them about Christ. And every time I stop and think about that, I could give you stories of times I believe I messed up. But it just burdens my heart because the 150,000 people that went into eternity was somebody's dad, was somebody's mom, was somebody's kids that they loved. And for them, their chance of getting into heaven is gone. The beautiful thing about heaven is that it's eternal. Amen? We will be there in eternity. We can't even comprehend that. But the horrible thing about hell, one of them, is that it as, as well is eternal. They have no second chance of jumping out of hell. And God's put us here for one of the sole purposes of telling people of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, that we should have first in our life, that we should adore, that we should worship, that we should know, that we should obey, that we don't, unfortunately, as we should. And I truly believe that one day we're going to stand before Christ, we're going to give account of everything we've done, and even the missed opportunities that we've had of sharing with somebody. Do you truly believe you leave your house and God can't put one person in front of you that needs to hear about Christ? I think it's much more than that. I think truly it's about 99.9% of people you see need Christ every day. But what happens is, Nathan Nichols, I get get so focused on what I need to do, I don't do what I'm supposed to do. Amen. Because what I need to do, it's really not that important compared to what I should be doing for Christ. Or, here's the other part, I have some tracks in my pocket, and I go out, and I'm standing in line, and I think, hey, I'm going to hand that, that, that girl or that guy there at the cash register, I'm going to hand them a track. And then I start looking around and think, man, but man, it's kind of a full line. You know, when you hand somebody a track, that you just start talking, and I don't know that I want to start talking. You ever done something like that? And so we get a little embarrassed, we get a little uncomfortable, and we let that person not hear. Who cares if you're uncomfortable? 
Who cares if I'm uncomfortable? Right? To win one. This, this Christmas season, we could give Christ the gift of others for Him. Amen? I have loved to see God work in Madison Baptist Church. But to be honest, I would love to see God do more at Madison Baptist Church. And I, I know we're tired, but we, and unfortunately, I think we limit God and what we think God can do. There is no limit to what God could do with this church. I was here, and I know I wasn't here in the beginning because I wasn't even born, but I was here in the old building, and I remember how it used to be in the old building, and I remember how hot it got in the old building, and I was a kid back then. I remember how hot it got at the VBSs. And then I remember we were in Brazil, and I heard we bought land, and I heard we started building. And then we get here into this massive building. I think I got lost the first time. I had no idea where in the world everything was at. And I, what my fear is that we're becoming complacent here. We're becoming complacent with our service to God. We're becoming complacent because it's, it's us. We're serving the Lord. Amen. But where's the new families? Amen. Where's the person you won to Christ this week? Where's the person you're going to bring next Sunday and say, hey, this is my church. This is where I serve God. This is where I'm excited about worshiping and singing the songs. Come, come to my church. And you know what? There's some good Bible studies that we can do together. Here, sit with my family. When does that happen? That is what I should be doing in Brazil. And if God's going to allow me to build a church, that's exactly how it's going to happen. It's going to happen by me going out and finding somebody that's lost, investing time in them, making a friend out of them, winning them to Jesus Christ, bringing them to church, discipling them, and it's no different here. Amen? And that's not only Brother Jeff's job. It's not pastor's job only. It's all of our jobs, no matter what age group we fall into. That is what God has given us to do. And I'll tell you this. I think I will never, ever get tired of seeing God saving a soul and watching that life get changed. One of my highlights of being in Brazil this, this last term, God allowed us to, during the year that Charlie was here, to take over the church. And for some reason, God brought along several different drug addicts that wanted help. And I have never dealt with that in my life. I had no idea what to do but then to give them God and try to help them see that they need to be saved. And so out of the eight guys that I had tried to help that year, one of them, I believe, is truly saved. But so we had our, our, I believe it was an anniversary Sunday for the church or some kind of dinner at the church. And um, it was after I would preached that Sunday morning. And somebody forgot to bring some chickens. They were supposed to bring the rotisserie chicken, and somebody forgot to bring it. And so this this um, this young man named Igor came up to me, and he he wanted to hear some more about how to be saved. And I also needed to go at the same time to go buy two chickens, because we need a chicken for the the luncheon. And so I said, "Hey, walk with me. You know, it's a couple blocks down the road. Let's walk. I'll talk with you about Christ, and uh, we'll go buy the chickens, and we'll come back. You know, I should have." But God still worked in spite of me. It's much more important to win somebody to the Lord than to buy chickens for, for us Baptists to eat. Amen. But he did. He walked with me. And so as we were going there, I'm talking to him. I'm telling Igor, listen, you need to be saved. You need to ask Jesus Christ to save you. He's the one that's going to help you get out of your addictions, your sin. It's him. It's not me. I can't do it for you. It's Christ. And so we talked all the way there. I got there. I bought the, bought the chickens. We started talking all the way back. And I noticed he was quiet. So I let him be quiet. We walked back. Got back to church. And so after the dinner and everything, I, I went up and I started talking to him. I said, Igor, listen, do you want to go back and let's talk in the back about how to be saved? He said, why? I said, well, because it's very important. You need to be saved today. He said, I already, I already got saved. 
I said, well, when did you do that? He said, when we were walking on the way back, when you got quiet, I asked the Lord to save me. <laughs> and he's the guy that is now taking the prayer request on Wednesday from my brother. He's now in their Bible Institute. That will get you excited to see people saved. And that is why we're here. And that is one of the greatest gifts we can give to Christ. Amen. Do our job and bring people to Christ. So tonight, I'm, I'm done. But tis the season. Amen. It's the Christmas season. It's all about Christ. It's not about me. It's not about presents. Praise the Lord. Amen. It is about Christ. So this year, this Christmas, what if we put Christ first? And these are only a few of the things I thought up this week that we can bring as gifts fit for a king. Because truly, if you look at ourselves, we have nothing to offer. But actually, God wants a lot that we can give. And it's not a thing that we give and don't get anything back. We get so much more than we give. So this year, what if we gave gifts fit for a king instead of focusing on ourselves? Amen. Let's bow our head, close our eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I do thank you once again for your word. Lord, I thank you that you speak to our hearts. I pray that you would take in this word. Lord, as the wise man, that we would seek you, that we would bring gifts to you, Father, this season, that we would love you, we'd put you first in our lives, Father, that we'd bring others to you, and so many other things. But that this year, Father, we would focus on putting you first again in our lives, on bringing gifts to you. What can we give to you this year, Father? How can we serve you? this Christmas season, Father. And Lord, I pray, if there's somebody here, Lord, please convict them that today is the day they need to be saved. If they haven't accepted you as their Savior, that they would know that they need to tonight, Father. Don't let them. Please convict them, Father. Do not let them leave tonight without having the assurance that they have been saved, Lord, that they would get somebody tonight to talk to and to find out exactly how to be saved and that they would be saved tonight. Father, continue to work in our hearts. We ask this in your name.